the title of this talk is Shaping Your Life. So our practice, Dharma practice, is a practice in which we learn to shape our lives. It's a practice in which we uh, are involved in this process of shaping our lives. And of course, as Dharma students, uh, our purpose in shaping our lives, the direction in which we shape our lives, is the direction of true happiness. Uh, we shape our lives in the service of true happiness. We shape our lives uh, so that we may know true happiness. This is our resolve. This is our resolve. This is our sense of purpose. This determines uh, what we do in the service of shaping our lives. A life in which we make an effort to shape our lives in the service of true happiness is a joyful life. A life in which we make an effort to shape our lives in the service of true happiness is a joyful life. It's a joyful life because of the effort that we make. The joy the Buddha teaches us is found in the effort. The joy is found in the effort. There's a, a saying, perhaps one of the Buddha's more pithy sayings uh, that I've been uh, alluding to a lot recently, uh, where the Buddha says, the Dharma is good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good at the end. For a while, I didn't really understand what that means. And then, of course, if I look at my own practice, uh, it certainly bears that out. Uh, if we're making the effort to practice the Dharma, it's joyful. It's joyful right from the beginning. And certainly that has been my experience. Even in the earliest days of my Dharma practice, it was joyful to be on the path. It was joyful to have found the path and to begin to start to meditate. My meditation, as I've often discussed, wasn't very good. You know, maybe I was meditating just a few minutes a day and the amount of breaths that I was uh, able to be mindful of, I could probably count on the fingers of both hands, maybe the toes also. Uh, but it was joyful to be on the path. It was joyful to be moving in a direction uh, that was uh, in my best interests, moving towards a greater happiness. So right from the beginning, the path was joyful. The path was joyful. Uh, the path is joyful in the beginning, the middle, and the end. The Dhamma is good in the beginning, the middle, and the end. Uh, you know, and of course, we have to learn. Uh, I mean, to me, for myself, uh, the joy that I experienced in being on the path was something that was quite apparent to me. And I think we all, uh, experience that, and it's why we keep coming back, right? It's why we keep coming back, because goodness knows it's very difficult, you know? We don't necessarily keep coming back because we've achieved a lot of success in concentration practice. We keep coming back because uh, we know on some level uh, that it's a good path, that it's a path that leads to happiness, and it's joyful to be on that path. It's joyful to be on that path. So it's a joyful path. It's joyful because of the effort that we make. It's joyful because of the effort that we make in the service of shaping our lives. I mean, I wanted to shape my life. I wanted a good life. I just didn't know how to do it. You know? I 
came to the Dharma and I learned the way to do that. Skills uh, through which I could shape my life. And uh, there was a great joy in that. So this idea that this practice is a practice of shaping our lives is extremely uh, meaningful and important. Uh, and it many ways it uh, may run counter to the way that people think about Dharma practice, which is more in a passive way, or it's a practice in which we are learning to accept things the way that, we are, that they are, uh, that we're not trying to, uh, to change anything, but rather to accept the way things are. And of course, you know, the subtext there is things aren't very good and we just have to accept that. or I'm not very good, and I have to learn to accept that. But this isn't, isn't what the Buddha teaches us, of course. What he teaches us is you have a potential for goodness, and life has a great potential for goodness. And we can know that goodness, but we have to put effort into that. We have to shape our lives. So it's a practice in which we're not, we're, we have to develop acceptance. Acceptance is important. This is the way I am. This is where I am in my life. This is the way things are in the world. Uh, there's a truth that's inherent in life uh, in terms of sickness, aging, and death. Uh, there's certain things that uh, we have to accept, uh, but this doesn't mean that we just uh, give in to the way things are. We learn uh, to change the things that we can change. Uh, we learn to shape our lives. And this is really where the joy in the practice comes in. The joy comes in when we're making that effort to shape our lives. So the terms, term that we often use is proactive. We proactively shape our lives. The other term that we like to use is purposeful. We purposefully shape our lives. We don't shape our lives randomly. You know, there's a sense of purpose. There's a direction. True happiness. Freedom from suffering. As I already said, uh, you know, the goodness of the path is that it gives us a way to shape our lives. Uh, and the way that we shape our lives is by using the mind skillfully. We learn to use the mind skillfully. We learn to use the mind skillfully. We shape our lives by using the mind skillfully. The mind is the tool, if you will, that enables us to shape our lives. Shaping our lives really comes down to how we use the mind and where we put our attention. And of course, where we put our attention is dictated by the mind. So we shape our lives by how we use the mind. As the Buddha said, all that we are begins with our thoughts. All that we are begins with our thoughts. So we learn to shape our lives by learning to shape one little piece of our lives, which is our meditation. Meditation is, is just a little piece of life. It's a little piece of life. Uh, and we learn to shape the experience of meditation, uh, and that is how we learn to shape our lives. So, you know, meditation kind of does a few things. In and of itself, uh, you know, particularly once we get more skillful, uh, it's a pleasurable uh, experience, uh, 
we're learning how to shape our lives and we're developing qualities, concentration, that are going to put us in position to be even more effective in shaping our lives. So meditation is really important. It's really important. Like the ways that we shape our lives, we learn, generally speaking, in the meditation, or we learn a lot about it in the meditation. It's certainly been my experience. And I always say if we can learn in meditation to shape our experience of the meditation, you know, we can learn to shape our experience of life. So this effort that we make in meditation to shape our experience is joyful. It's joyful. And this is what we uh, wanted to be able to acknowledge. And we took a little bit of time today at the end of the meditation to reflect on just that, on this effort that we made. You know, this effort that we made, this is considered one of, this is considered the greatest form of our goodness, the effort that we make to uh, abandon the unskillful and cultivate the skillful. Our goodness is found in that effort. So we learn to appreciate that. So it's really useful and important for us. And this is how we learn to, uh, to uh, have, be on a path that's joyful. Because again, we have to cultivate that joy. Uh, so, you know, in our meditation practice, we learn to take joy in the practice. We learn to take joy in the practice. So it's a good, it's a good exercise at the end of every meditation. You know, when that bell rings, to just pause before you go about your daily activities and just reflect on your effort that you showed up for the meditation, that you made an effort. Maybe you didn't feel every breath, but you made an effort to abandon the unskillful and cultivate the skillful. I mean, we have to work at, uh, you know, again, it's proactive, and we have to use the mind, because you know, if we don't learn to use the mind skillfully, we're going to fall prey to our karma our tendencies of mind, our habitual tendencies, which aren't so skillful. So for instance, invariably, when that proverbial bell rings at the end of my meditation, what tends to arise in my mind out of past karma is some kind of judgment. Ah, oh, you didn't do so good. Oh, that was a waste of time. You know, it's usually some kind of, it's an interesting thing. Watch that in your mind at the end of the meditation. The proverbial bell rings, or maybe it's not proverbial, maybe you, you lean over and ring a bell, or you have an app that rings a bell at the end. Watch the, how the mind is relating to the meditation. Is there joy? Well, for me, habitually not. You know, that's not my past karma. So I have to see what arises in the mind and cultivate that quality of joy. Shape, you know, when I'm, you know, I'm doing two things. I'm, um, I'm, of course, finding joy, but I'm also learning how to shape the mind. I'm also learning how to shape the mind, shape my life by shaping my mind. I'm also learning how to use my mind to shape my experience and shape my life. So just that little, very simple, the Buddha said, you know, when we use the mind to shape our lives, it's very simple. What a blessing. I develop my goodness. And you can go on and about our, your other tasks of the day. So in meditation, uh, we learn to shape our experience uh, by using the mind in the meditation, right? 
So I like to say, of course, that every meditation is a guided meditation, but you're doing the guiding, right? You're doing the guiding. And of course, I've often talked about uh, the real drawbacks in using apps, you know, because you're not doing the guiding. <laughs> and you have to learn to guide your meditation because you have to learn to guide your life. You have to learn to guide your life. You know, that guy in the app, he doesn't, you know, he's not really that concerned with that. Uh, I won't go into the politics and the economics of all of that, uh, but you have to learn to guide your meditation because you have to learn to guide your life. You know, this is something that you, know, you have to learn to do. Uh, so, easier said than done to guide our meditation in a skillful way because, of course, you know, we come to the meditation and there's a lot of unskillful thinking in the mind, right? So, you know, learning to shape our lives or shape our meditation is really a function of skillful thinking, using thinking to guide our meditation and in doing so, learning to guide our lives. But of course, there's lots of unskillful thinking in the mind, right? So we've talked over the last few weeks about abandoning the unskillful, right? Abandoning unskillful thinking. So the meditation is just this process of abandoning unskillful thinking. All those thoughts, think about all those thoughts that came up for you during this meditation. You know, we all had different thoughts about this, that, thoughts of the past, thoughts of the future, worries and concerns about the household life, as the Buddha said, greed and distress with reference to the world, right? So we learn to see those thoughts, not give in to them, not give in to them, to question them if we need to. You know, we learn to bring mindfulness to the hindrances, you know, particularly the dullness and the restlessness, you know, the ways the mind is conspiring to pull us out of the present moment and away from the meditation. Uh, so we learn in the meditation to abandon the unskillful. You know, I think, eh, to some extent, you know, the way meditation tends to be taught, uh, there's a fair amount of instruction around that. I mean, certainly we emphasize that a lot. Where we really need in many cases, you know, of course you need to do both. What we really need in many cases to uh, develop is learning to cultivate skillful thinking in the meditation. So you have to do both. We tend to put a lot of effort into abandoning the unskillful thinking, uh, the hindrances and so forth. And of course you have to do that. You have to do that. But you have to do both. You have to do both. You know, and if we don't, uh, learn to cultivate skillful thinking in the meditation, uh, we're never really going to find freedom from the unskillful thinking. So you have to do both. You have to be able to replace the unskillful with the skillful. So, uh, so this is sort of a mark of progress in meditation. I mean, in any given meditation, right? I mean, that's sort of the mark of progress, right? So, so you might think maybe the mark of progress so I'm going to sort of maybe redefine a little bit for you what the mark of progress within a meditation is. You might think of it as the mind being completely still. So you've had a lot of thoughts at the beginning of the meditation. 
all right, after 20 minutes, maybe that you kind of were able to put them to the side and you had hindrances, maybe the mind was dull or restless, you put that to the side and then maybe you're really able to just get the mind to stay to some extent. That's half of a good meditation, but the mark of, a, of, of the progress in the meditation is that you've been able to replace the unskillful thinking with skillful thinking. So over the course of your practice, if it's within any meditation or in your meditation over the long haul, the way that you see you're making progress, you know, and this is really where, what I measure it by, is, you know, the extent to which I'm thinking skillfully in the meditation. You know, and the quality of the skillful thinking in the meditation. Right? So sort of the quote-unquote best meditation would be you know, where, where you get to that point in the meditation, where the meditation is developed, is all the thinking in the mind is skillful. Does that happen in every meditation? No. You know? But you get to the point where, you know, in the course of any meditation, you've purified the mind to the point where most of your thinking is skillful. Sometimes pretty much all of it is skillful by the time you get to the end of it. So, so that leads us to the question, of course, well, what's skillful, right? What's skillful? Uh, so what's skillful is encompassed in the skills the Buddha teaches us, right? The skills we're learning, the basic rudiments of skillful thinking that would comprise a guided meditation that you would be engaging in on a daily basis as you sit in your little meditation cubby hall and practice every day. So these basic, basic, basic elements, right? You know, and of course the Buddha said, skillful thinking, it's simple. It's not like, you know, you're, it's a lot less thinking than the unskillful. You know, the unskillful thinking is informed by a lot of clinging and, and, and you know, it's a profusion of thinking. It's a lot less thinking but they're still thinking as the meditation goes on, even at the levels of high, high levels of concentration, theoretically, even up until you get to the second jhana, which is like super high level of concentration, uh, you're still thinking, you know, but the thinking is skillful. But it's not as much as when you're thinking unskillfully, but there's still ongoing thinking in the meditation. So what does that thinking comprise? Intention. Right? Intention. You know, there's a resolve that uh, informs uh, skillful thinking as it takes the form of intention. I'm doing this out of compassion. I'm doing this because I want freedom from suffering. Um, practicing with an attitude of compassion. Loving kindness. These are the two primary intentions. I'm practicing because I have a wish to be happy of heart. I'm practicing with an attitude. So we're shaping our experience of the meditation through intention, right? We're shaping our experience of the meditation. I talked about this a little bit last week, through intention. Just like you can shape your experience of being here in this moment right now through intention. You can, you can shape it in, in an unskillful way. Oh, I hate this talk. Why didn't we talk about enlightenment today? You know, when is it going to be over? I'm bored. 
unskillful way of shaping your experience. You're doing that. I'm not doing that. I could give the most boring talk, but you know, if you're unhappy, you're shaping that experience. You know, or you can shape your experience right now in terms of loving kindness. Let me listen with loving kindness. Let me listen with compassion for myself and all the beings who are here and all beings everywhere. You know, so you shape your experience of this class right now through the intention, but that just doesn't happen magically. You know, what sort of happens automatically is past karma, you know? So you have to shape your experience of the meditation just like you have to shape your experience of being here right now. Now, theoretically, maybe, uh, I'm riffing a little bit here, but you know, those of you, a lot of you know me for a long time, some of you know me 10, 15, 20 years, some of you have been coming to this class a long time. So you know, you've been shaping an experience, hopefully skillfully, for a while, so maybe there's some really nice karma here, and there's some compassion and loving kindness as you're sitting here listening, and you're seeing all the people that you know, and you know, there's a joy of the Dharma, but you can make it even stronger by using skillful intention. You know? And the mind fears off, right? The mind fears off. It doesn't take much. I say a word. You know? Somebody does something in one of the boxes, or you see something on somebody's wall, in somebody's flat, you know, like in, in another country, you know, and it kicks up a memory that you have about when, when you were 10 years old, and you know, you got enough, you know, and it's all of a sudden you're sitting there in a knot. You know, so it doesn't take much for your karma to get instigated. Probably I would be the one who would instigate it by saying something or doing something. You know? So you have, to, you have to shape your experience of being here. It's not passive. It's not passive. Again, it's simple, right? You know, this is the Buddha's primary instruction for skillful thinking. Keep it very simple. Let me be here with compassion. Maybe even simpler. Compassion. Just a word or two to connect you to the heart. Buddha said if you use too many words when you're doing skill, you know, then you're gonna the mind gets tired and you start going in an unskillful direction. So skillful intention, cultivating a skillful attitude, shaping your experience of the meditation through intention, brightening the mind is another way of shaping your experience of the meditation, right? Reflecting on your blessings. So we usually do that at the beginning of the meditation, maybe at the end. Occasionally we'll do it at certain points in the meditation. Brightening the mind is a way of, uh, of shaping our experience of the meditation. Cultivation in the mind, the reflection on our blessings, gratitude. So we shape our experience through intention, through the cultivation of the sublime attitudes, and we shape our experience through using directed thought, using thinking to put our attention in places that are good. So using thought to focus the mind, to put our attention uh, on the breath and on the body, and using the mind to evaluate the experience of the breath and the body in the service of cultivating an easeful and a pleasurable experience of the present moment. 
So we shape our, but that doesn't, the mind just doesn't go to the breath, right? Needless to say, the mind isn't going to just stay there, you know? Stay there for a couple of seconds. You have to shape your experience by guiding your attention to the breath. Guiding your attention to the breath and then shaping your experience of the breath by evaluating the breath. What does the breath feel like? Is it tight? Is it tense? What does it feel like when it's easeful? Well, let me focus on that easeful breath. Let me bring my attention to the body. What does the body feel like? Oh, the arms, is there an area where the, there's ease? Oh, my arms feel easeful. Let me bring my attention to the arms. Can I move my mindfulness down through my arms? Do I feel that quality of ease? And you're guiding yourself through that experience, right? You're guiding yourself by bringing your attention to the breath and the body, evaluating that experience in the service of cultivating. So those are the two primary uh, mental functions that you're engaging in in concentration practice, right? You read all the Buddhist students, mentions these over and over again. Vitaka Vikara, directed thought evaluation. Directed thought to the breath, evaluation to the breath. Directed thought to the body, evaluation of the body. All in the service of cultivating an easeful and pleasurable abiding. And then of course we use the mind to investigate anything uh, that may be uh, taking us away from that experience of ease and pleasure, that experience of breath and body. So just like I did at the end of the meditation, is there anything that's, uh, in, you know, I always like to say, is there anything that's interrupting the stillness? Oh yeah, there's a little bit of anxiety here. Or can I bring my attention to that? Just bring a simple awareness to it, back to the breath, and replace that with the ease of the breathing. So these are the basic skills, right? So I think you know, we all know these skills. Most of us know, all know these skills and are practicing with these skills often, right? What I'm doing is putting them in the context of uh, our practice and, and what our objective is in the practice. You know, we're using these skills of intention, uh, directed thought and breath and body, of evaluation, the skills, you know, to, uh, to uh, bring about uh, insight into what's preventing us from that in terms of using uh, uh, awareness and asking questions into the hindrances, etc. You know, we're all, we're using those skills in the service of shaping an experience, right? We're shaping our experience in this present moment. And then we bring that to the world. But it's the same, it's, you know, in many ways it's the same skills, right? So you guide yourself through that half hour or 45 minutes of meditation, and then you're guiding yourself through the day. How else are you going to get through the day? You know, you want a good day, it's up to you. It's up to you, your happiness is up to you. And what's going to determine your happiness is the way that you think as you go throughout the course of the day. What's going to determine your happiness during the course of the day is to is the effect to which is the degree to which you're able to abandon unskillful thinking, like we talked about last week, 
and cultivate skillful thinking and guide yourself through the day. So that requires like persistence, right? Yeah. But this is how you this is how you have a good day. This is how you have a good day. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like it's hit or miss, you know, and you're largely at the mercy of your past karma. Ever, ever? I'm going to talk a lot more about this next week, but you know. You know, did you ever have the experience like every day was the same, you know? It's like, I want to change, but I really can't, you know? Waiting for Godot, you know? So the way that you shape your life, the way that you have a good life, you know, the way that you are able to move towards happiness, that's all depending on how you guide yourself through the course of the day. It's all up to you, too. You know, we tend to think, well, it's up to, you know, if this happens and that goes right and the other thing happens, then I'll be happy. You're going to rely on that? That's not reliable. God knows. God knows. Your happiness really depends on your thinking, on the way that you think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. It depends on your capacity to guide yourself through the day. It's the same skills, intention. Let me be here right now in this moment, in this class, with compassion, with love and kindness. What a blessing it is to be here in this moment, in this class, as I'm walking down the street, as I'm on the train, as I'm making my breakfast. Let me cultivate the breath. Let me put my mind on the breath. Let me find that easeful breath. It's a little bit different when you're out there in the world. You're not so much evaluating, but you're calling up that experience. You are, to some extent, you're calling up that experience of the easeful breath. You're calling up that quality of ease and pleasure in the body as you go throughout the course of the day. But that only happens if you guide yourself in that direction. It's not just going to happen. You have to remind yourself, stay with the breath, feel that useful breath. Let me be with the body. Let me feel this experience of the body. Let me feel this experience of the body. And then of course, you know, you, you use thought uh, in the, in, really in the service of reflection to notice when you're losing uh, your position in the present moment and when you know, when the heart is blocked off, is there suffering? That's the basic question. Is there dukkha? Is my heart blocked off right now? What's blocking off the heart? One of the most important aspects of using the mind during the course of the day, I'll say a few words about this today, <clears throat> and then we'll talk more about this next week, is the practice of heedfulness. Right? So, you know, we often talk about, uh, you know, these elements of practice uh, uh, and heedfulness being really, in, in many ways, the most important skill, you know. And heedfulness is really a kind of reflection, you know. So you're using your thinking mind, you're using thought to reflect on your actions. And this is how you shape your actions as you go through the course of the day. You shape your actions by reflecting on your actions as you go through your course of your day. What is skillful? 
What's a skillful action? Is this a skillful action? What's an action that is an expression of compassion for myself and others? What's an action that's an expression of loving kindness for myself and others? And then the choosing of those actions. So when we practice this way, we're on the path. You know, we're on the path, and it's a joyful path. It's a joyful path. You know, when we practice this way, when we make this effort to guide ourselves, not just in our meditation, but in our lives, to guide ourselves through the day, you know, it may seem arduous, you know, it does require a lot of effort, but it's a joyful effort. It's a joyful effort, you know, and we take joy in the effort, you know, so when it comes to the end of the day, we can say, this was a day well lived. When we come to the end of life, we can say, this is a life well lived. I put an effort you know, toward taking it, to shaping my life, to shaping my experience in this day, to shaping my actions in the service of knowing a greater happiness. That's a good day. That's a good day. Some days we may not quite succeed, but if we put in the effort, that's all we can do. That's all we can ask, you know? And there's a joy in doing that. There's a joy in making the effort. There's a joy, it's the joy of being on the path. No regrets. No regrets. As the Buddha often ended his Dharma talks, over there are the roots of trees, over there are abandoned buildings, places to meditate, over there are the roots of trees, over there are abandoned buildings, practice jhana. Don't be heedless. Don't later fall into regret. This is our message to you.